Um, just so you know, uh, my screen has disappeared again, but I still seem to be able to talk to you. So I can't see my notes, um, ah. but I think we can carry on if you're happy to. I can't see you, but I know you're there. Uh, Brilliant. How very esoteric, <laughs> uh, which is exactly what we need going into an RE discussion. <laughs> <laughs> the warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching. This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Hi, my name's Rob. I work in Key Stage 2 in a school in Buckinghamshire, and I've taught all the way from Year 3 up to Year 6. Hi, I'm Helen. Um, I am also a teacher in Buckinghamshire, and I'm currently teaching Mixed Reception Year 1. And today we are exploring learning outcomes in religious education with a retelling of Hans Christian Andersen's classic, The Little Mermaid. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Dancing Mermaid. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the magnificent Mario Coelho, as well as the full audiobook for you to download at any time. There are even some tips there for telling the story yourself and a whole heap of resources to go with the lesson ideas we're about to discuss, including any extra lesson ideas that we don't have time to fit into this podcast. Right now, though, let's continue. Let's conclude our discussion with Helen and Rob here as we uh, dive in the sea with the young mermaid and come out with some religious education to uh, discuss and explore with our young learners. Um, Rob, could I ask you to kick us off here with ages seven to 11? Absolutely. Having the school that Helen and I work at at the moment is a C of E school. And prior to that, I've worked in a Catholic school. So a lot of the religious education elements that we've kind of looked on around about this time of year now if you're listening first time around it's may june if you're listening on dave it might be completely different (laughs) um but it's all to do with um both easter and uh pentecost Mm. so thinking about um the holy spirit and about how jesus died and things like that Mm. one of the key things that comes up is uh jesus he gave up things for us he gave up yeah. a lot for for humanity and the link that i'm going to make is the mermaid gave up the ability to talk um mm. in the story so what kind of effect kind of almost looking at it with empathy maybe a bit of compassion as well how would yeah. if first of all the empathy how would that make the children feel if they if they lost the power of speech, what would it mm. what would it mean to them? How would it how would it affect their lives? And then kind of linking into the compassion, then if it happened to someone else in your class, what changes would you make? How yeah. would you accommodate them in the same way? And and then potentially say, oh, what happens? What would you do if it happened to your best friend? Mm. So it's kind of it's is are we thinking about giving things up? Um, but it does link mm. really well, like almost hand in hand with PSHE as well. Yeah. It's a um, very similar kind of area. 
And there's there's an element as well of doing this voluntarily. I know you, you, when you're talking about people who you know lose their voice or suffer great pain in their legs, which is the other thing she has to endure. Yes, these sorts of things um, can happen to people, and and I suppose often happen to people more by accident than choice. But thinking from a religious angle, um, the vow of silence yeah. is one of the, yeah. the big vows that a lot of um, nuns and monks and and whatever the comparisons are in other religions you know it's, it's it's a very common thing um to to hear people doing as part of their their religious commitments so um it is it is interesting i think to have this discussion with children and you know times when you might choose to do that and and why what what are you giving up and and how how could this be a good thing um, I think the vow of silence idea is a because I was, I was just as as I was listening to you both, I was thinking how how perhaps you could make this a bit more real for the children, um, mm. because it's quite hard to understand some of these concepts without having experienced them. So I was wondering about perhaps they could take a vow of silence for a while for whatever reason and just see how they manage that and actually what it feels like um, and how hard mm. it is how very hard it is to take that vow of silence but you know why yeah. i'm not sure what reason the children could have for doing it but the idea of giving something up like that and how how it actually feels because i think if you can get the children to to feel some of these things um it makes it a little bit more real to them in a sense i guess it's that delayed gratification thing mm. isn't it a lot of the time a vow of silence is done expecting a reward in another life and even if you just um, delay a reward in the classroom by yes. know, a couple of lessons um it can be a good way of yeah like you say helping children to really experience what that feels like what yeah. it's all about might also be a, a, an interesting thing to to build a science experiment around seeing how your hearing changes if you experience silence for a, a longer period of time, mm -hmm. does do, do you get enhanced hearing? Are you able to hear things that haven't been there before? Or do you pick up things? You know, if you if you have been um, listening to a story, for example, after break time, and then you have a couple of hours in complete silence and listen to exactly the same story again, do you pick up on different things in the story? You know, how how does it alter our perceptions? Mm. We're practicing that. Yeah. Right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it builds into so many things. Just as you were saying to start off with, Chip, about voluntarily doing it, I was like, oh, vow silence. Why didn't I think of that? But then I also <laughs> thought, um, Lent, we give things up at mm. Lent. Yes. So could you link it into that as well? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like the discussions that I would have with the older children. Mm. Is it also with the older children that you might start to explore some of the differences uh, in attitudes between faiths of, of what soul actually is? Because we have the, the Merwitch mention in the story how different people interpret the soul as, as a different thing. And um, we've gone for a very, I, I think, generic and all-encompassing one within the story itself, which is that soul is effectively what helps you to be remembered. It's the thing that, um, I mean, if you think of your memory as being 
your life after death, the fact that people are still talking about you and thinking about you and having memorials and things like that. That is, I think, I'm right in saying, the kind of shared element to it all between the religions. But there are some who would say, you know, the the soul is immortal and it's going on to another place. There are others that, you know, believe in reincarnation. Could you use this as an opening to explore some of those? Yes, it's the simple answer. I think quite often uh, your school or your area will choose uh, which other religion you're going to, which other faiths you're going to discover or learn about. Uh So you would have to kind of tailor or which religion you're looking at as to how you perceive these different parts of the soul. But absolutely, if you're talking Mm. about Hinduism or Buddhism, you could definitely explore how different representation or what similarities you could compare and contrast between yeah. the re- all religions mm. how is soul portrayed and you could think of different examples of like you were just saying about when we remember and celebrate people how do we how is that a use of the word soul mm. um but i think definitely with older children you you do learn about other religions with younger children but you might not go into that much depth into it yeah well let's test that theory shall we as we go down to the younger ages ages four to seven helen is there any re you can pick out for us yes so i i was thinking something a little perhaps a little more simple for the earlier years in Mm. that um i think i i think i mentioned it a bit when we were talking about pshe in terms of the children thinking about who they are and what's special about them Mm. um quite often in the early years in re you look at sort of the idea of everybody being special and what makes us special. And in the sort of Christian religion, it's the idea of, we teach children, it's the idea that everyone's, you know, made in God's image and God created the world. And in the story of creation, he He made everything and it was good. Yeah. And so you could do a sort of our unit of work around everybody being special and what that means and what makes each person unique and special and relating that to the the religion that you're you're studying again and when i've taught it it's been related to the christian religion mm-hmm. and i think that's a it's a good story to to begin with for this re unit in terms of what makes what makes us special and the attributes that make us special and different and unique and that we shouldn't perhaps yeah. want to change about ourselves Hmm. And speaking of it on on the young mermaid's behalf, I guess how it's it's as much what you want out of life, yes, that sort of dictates what what makes you special. You know, it's your own thoughts and opinions rather than necessarily the the surroundings or the the things that you you start with. If you see what I mean? Absolutely. I I think um you'd definitely be able to explore that what the mermaid wants out yeah, what what she wants out of life and how she goes about getting that and um, what makes her her kind of her own her own story, I guess. She makes her own story, doesn't she, with the choices she yes, makes yeah. and how you you can relate that to the children and actually who they are but also who they want to be and what mm-hmm. they want to do and how they're gonna go about doing that and helping them to feel like they have agency over that. I think it'll be very powerful. Definitely, yeah. Though hopefully their agency won't require them to lose their voice or hopefully. feel like their <laughs> legs are being stabbed all of the time. I, I would hope not, yes. 
that's all we have time for in this episode, folks, and indeed this story. Let's get dried off, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on everything we've discussed in this podcast. So please find us on social media using at Teach Happily or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app. You can also use social media to let us know if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover, because we would love to help. Please do also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. We'll be back next week to explore what learning outcomes we can pick out from a truly disgusting tale that hails from the ancestral home of that royal of revolting literature himself, Roald Dahl. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. soon.